Ready graphics? Ready theme? Like, in, in the pilot, you clearly see Murphy's annoyed that Corky is there, but she's annoyed by everyone. <laughs> and then they sort of very quickly, she, like, they learn to respect each other and, and work within those kind confines instead of turning it into, like, a because of this and that. And they ended up sort of having this really lovely friendship that wasn't competitive. This is something we've talked about in, you know, the second episode of the fir- first season with Devil with the Blue Dress on was the idea of that it suddenly becomes about women resenting each other for their own looks uh-huh, and the attention that uh-huh. they get. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of, do you dress yourself up to be attractive or do you dress yourself down? Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the idea that your appearance and its effect on your career is your fault mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not because and it's that uh, there's a horrible quote from a, a high school coach recently where uh, I was reading about it on the Mary Sue and, uh, he basically said that it's girls' fault for distracting boys Ugh, with their outfits. That's great. And that kind of energy and that the idea that it even turns around within this like woman on woman crime mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. we start resenting each other for the fact that this creep is giving the other woman that attention. Yeah, yeah. And also there is the the one of the myths of society is that there's only so many spots for women yep. or for people of color. So then instead of looking at the system and saying, like, wait well, that's messed up. You look at each other as as competition. And I think that one of the brilliant things about the original show is that Diane didn't make it. Like, in, in the pilot, you clearly see Murphy's annoyed that Corky is there, but she's annoyed by everyone. <laughs> and then they sort of very quickly, she, like, they learn to respect each other and, and work within those kind confines instead of turning it into, like, a you know, every episode there's a cat fight because of this and that. And they ended up sort of having this really lovely friendship that wasn't competitive, basically, any more than Murphy is competitive with everyone. Yeah. And we talk about uh, since we just finished season one, Mm -hmm. sort of this great sort of arc between the two of them Mm -hmm. and how when at the by the end of the episode, she almost bests Murphy. You know, she Uh she finds out that that Quirky is better at something than Murphy is. Mm -hmm. It's the morning show and Murphy can't can't Uh do a morning Uh show, Uh which is why we thought it was interesting. And we we talked about it before we saw the pilot, Uh but that she she respects her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's something that maybe I think in most series might have happened, you know, in season four or five. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this is something that happens through one season, the beginning that she maybe doesn't necessarily respect Corky, but at the end sees her as an equal. And that's so important. Well, even that episode, I think it was like three or four as early as that, where, you know, Corky brings her this big story. And then Murphy says like, oh, I'll take it. So, but since you brought me the story, you can do the intro and then I'll read the yeah, chapter for the actual se- thing. That's Devil, Devil with a Blue Dress. dress. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. the second episode. Two. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, yeah. I think, a, again, a testament to Diane that they could have gone down this road where, you know, these women are very opposite and Murphy could keep coming in and keep fighting with her. But it's a much more interesting story if they actually come to this place of, all right, we both work here. We both respect each other. And maybe we can learn something from each other versus constantly butting heads, which you can get some comedy out of for I don't know how long. And then eventually it's going to get tired. The episode we just shot, um, episode eight, I think, the Oxford comma and the coma. Yes, episode um, eight. Uh, you can see that that relationship, um, I like that, you know, we, mm-hmm. we traced it to where it is now. And it's, you know, it's evolved and it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, but it, you still see, yeah, that kind of origin story mm-hmm. between them. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it also says what we're saying now is that there's room for both these women, which is what the uh-huh. whole series is yeah. saying in the mm-hmm. world. There's mm-hmm. there's room for all kinds of women in the world, yes. not just one. Yeah. Well, and speaking of room for plenty of people, um, <laughs> I I'd love to kind of deviate to a slightly different topic. Um, I'm very fascinated with the conversation of representation mm-hmm. um, and the opportunities within beyond just gender representation and just two genders representation. But um, also, you know, seeing the importance of bringing in you, your episode brought in our next uh, semi-regular of color mm-hmm. uh, actor. Um, I, I would like to know what you guys think as as new writers coming mm-hmm. in writing for more representation and also seeing representation within your own writer's room. I'm going to sure. let Scanner handle this. <laughs> I am I am as white as the driven snow. And he, yes, is, no. he is a person of color. <laughs> if, if you've seen pictures of the writer's room, you may have noticed that I am the one person of color. Um, mm-hmm. But um, hey, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, um, I respect that Diane wanted to bring the old gang back. And back then, 1988, uh, most writer's rooms were pretty white and male. Uh, that said, I give her credit for uh, the new writers that she brought on, um, mm-hmm. Laura Kraft, Gina and myself are all non-white males, mm-hmm. so um, and I think I think uh, yeah, and and you know the new cast members also. So um, I think it's it's important. You know, there are conversations, particularly about you know Nick's character Pat Patel, where I was able to bring you know I'm I'm half Bangladeshi, so I'm able to bring some insight to that, um, and it's important. You know, you, you never want to be writing about a culture or an experience that you don't have any kind of insight into. Um, and um, yeah, I think it is a movement I'm fully behind for mm-hmm. both selfish reasons and uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. I, because in general, I think it's it's good. Yeah, it's actually worth noting too that our the pilot that got us hired that we wrote is about a Muslim family in New Jersey, and most of the characters in it are Muslim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. and the writers have all been very nice. They all said told us that they really loved it, and and it's what Diane hired us off of, basically. But all the writers in the room have said like this: this pilot is great, and I guess they all picked it as one of their top choices when they were just reading packets. Uh, so I think that they're that they're also aware of aware of this and sort of wanted people who could sort of you know speak to it as as much as as much as possible because they knew that the new characters that they were bringing on and like Scanner said you know this is sort of when you're bringing back a show from the 80s casts back then were predominantly white writers rooms back then were predominantly white and I think uh you know one of the one of the parts that's sort of going going well right now is that you know the new characters brought in with the exception of phyllis because she's sort of standing in for phil uh have all been you know even like the the head of the network diana is a person of color we it was important to us to for miles's love interest for dandridge yes yes because she she will not be because the the order switched but for our audience she will be on tonight ah that's right okay yeah butts uh, uh, but for, for our episode, we specifically wanted the woman that Miles was interested in to be a person of color. Just, you know, it's, it's, we have a lot of those conversations in the room of, well, who can we cast here? That's not another sort of white person. Uh, and then it is interesting to, to write for those characters. Cause we want to make sure that we're sort of getting it right and not 
making mm-hmm. them into just the the butt of some sort of stereotype joke. And, you know, Scander yeah. pitched a great line in the pilot where uh, Pat comes out and Miles says, like, oh, I'd like you to introduce you to our, you know, head of head of technology and, and IT. And Corky says, oh, that must be you. And Scander pitched a line that was, oh, you think just because I'm Indian, I'm the IT guy? Because I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> because we, we, we wanted to make him – and and everyone in the room and Diane wanted to make him more than just like, oh, this sort of nerdy Indian guy doing tech. And in the room, we came up with like, well, what if he's just like so confident and so sure of himself and so sort of like unironically like interested in things? And that was that was why we put in our script that he's he's super woke and actually excited about <laughs> this. We originally had a couple of lines in it that just got cut for time where he was like, this is the third one I've been to this year <laughs> and they keep getting better. <laughs> Uh, uh, cause he just like really likes to go and really likes to learn all about respecting his coworkers. <laughs> okay. I love his, I love his character so much. The more mm-hmm, I see him, mm-hmm. he yeah, makes me so he's happy. He's really fun to write for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just, it just helps the idea of diversifying a room. Even, um, you know, Gary Donzig was, uh, obviously involved, um, in the room from, from the beginning and something like the, you know, justly celebrated Miles thinks he's gay episode, mm-hmm. um, you mm-hmm. know, came out of, uh, Gary, a gay man's experience, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and probably wouldn't have existed had they not had him in the room. So mm-hmm. it's not yep. just you know checking boxes or you know good uh, good PR or yeah. good optics. It, it, yeah. it makes the show better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and speaking of optics, one of the things that while they're not speaking roles necessarily, just seeing the visual of the people who work in the office, yeah. mm-hmm. as far as the background, seeing the headscarves, mm-hmm. seeing the, mm-hmm. the the rainbow that is going on is is really great Mm -hmm. just from a visual because the speaking parts are limited and we do have these characters that are coming back. So being able to just show that there's the effort in the background casting Mm -hmm. and create some even seeing, you know, so many female crew members and Mm -hmm. and that diversity. And that's great to see as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, Mm -hmm. one of, uh, one of our favorite directors, Pam, who directed the pilot mm-hmm. is coming back and mm-hmm. we love her oh, and she's great. she's amazing and and she's after cool. the second episode when she was like leaving for a while i was like i just want to say it's so great like you're so good at your job and you're so smart and you're so <laughs> and she was like you're you just became my new favorite person but but yeah having women <laughs> i mean i've worked on shows where there wasn't a single woman directing and no one thought anything of it and again it's because you want people with experience and who've been doing this for a long time and there was a time when women weren't getting that experience. So, you know, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's good to see that there's an effort being made. Uh, I think someone tweeted something out like kudos to Murphy Brown for showing more diversity in their background actor than any other show. I saw that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I have some small things just about the episode itself, just sort of like visually, but really took my attention. I don't know how much mm-hmm. when you are producing your own particular episode in, in with the costumes as opposed to, I know Diane had done a lot of that in the old series. Uh, Murphy wears red almost the entire time mm-hmm. until she confronts him. And then the last scene, she's wearing just a regular sort of like, I think like leopard coat. Mm-hmm. Um, was that something on purpose that was spoken about or it just sort of appeared on show Very night? deliberate on my part. I wanted that right <laughs> <from the beginning. laughs> no. Um, that uh, I, I don't think either of us even realized that, but that's yeah. very cool. That is, you know, because Mur- uh, Murphy mm-hmm. is very much associated with red because mm-hmm. of that. I mean, it's in our logo. It's yeah, the red thing. Mm-hmm. The it's red, her hunting jacket. Yeah, the red hunting jacket mm-hmm. at the, the, in the first episode is very iconic for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I personally think of red as a power co- color. Mm-hmm. Although I mentioned that once to uh, a gentleman recently who said, "Oh, I think of it as a very feminine color." 
mm. which I had never thought of red as a feminine color. So I don't know if that's mm. just my my perspective, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. because it is so much associated with Murphy and because of my thoughts on the color, I, I did wonder if that was deliberate. You know what? It it probably was uh, a Diane Pat conversation when when Pat showed mm-hmm. her options. I would not be surprised to find out that Diane, you know, sort of sort of chose this color palette. Uh, but uh, for us, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much into your episode were you? Did you go through the casting process? Uh, were you involved in that? After the writing, I should say. Yeah, we we did. They got they sent us uh, reels um of of the people and and you know we joey slotnick who who ends up playing the sexual harassment seminar guy we we saw his audition and and we we do get to weigh in paloma guzman Mm -hmm. uh who's miles's love interest we saw her read and she was she had such a strong read and we we really liked her so we do, Diane will usually send out videos for bigger parts and say, like, what does everyone think? Who's who's everyone sort of feeling? Uh, and and we, we did get some input there, which, you know, we were very happy with everyone, mm-hmm. how everything turned out. Mm-hmm. There's one bit of casting, though, that we have seen before. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> which we have discussed. Yeah. I heard Skander caught that. Yes. Um, Harris Eulen was on Murphy Brown before as as another character. Um, and uh, I was just idly going through his credits after he'd already been cast. Oh. And, I it. and um, I don't know, I I sometimes tend to panic unnecessarily. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, this is the end of everything. This is the end of our career. We've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> but um, so far, nobody has <laughs> picked I, up on it. I, I, didn't, I actually no. forgot. Scander mm-hmm. brought it up at the time, and mm-hmm. I forgot until now. I think no one in that room realized that was actually an interesting part to cast because I think a lot of older actors did not want to touch it. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I don't think yeah. they wanted to be the guy that sexually harassed Murphy Brown. <laughs> maybe, maybe some of them had some problematic stuff in their own past. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it was like an interesting. We had a very long conversation about: Do we stunt cast this? Do we make it someone super, super famous so that when he comes in the room. Everyone goes, "Oh my god!" Uh, uh, yeah, and it was not an it was not an easy part to cast. I can imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the the actor who does uh, play Professor Talbot, Harris Ulan, is what I thought was really ideal about his casting was that it was just enough stunt mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. he is familiar to many of mm-hmm. us. Yeah, he's especially Buffy fans. Been around forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which Thank is you. What That's where I, I know him from. Like I was like head of the Watchers Council. Mm-hmm. Get on in here. I love that face. <laughs> Um, and sometimes hated that face in that show. But I think the thing that was that's great about it is that it was just enough to recognize and a certain element to a to an audience member of trusting him because you know this this performer is good with what they do. Mm-hmm. And you don't quite realize how much when you see somebody that you recognize as established, you you release a bit of tension toward that performer. And seeing him, knowing him from likable characters. It was just enough without being, I see the char- the actor's name. Mm-hmm. Right. I see characters I've seen him in before. And so to watch that kind of betrayal of a character actor that you know so well mm-hmm. hit us as well as Murphy. Mm-hmm. And as Murphy says, again, I'm quoting Murphy, you got old. <laughs> so he looks very different than mm-hmm. he did in season True. nine, I believe it was. Uh-huh. So I, I buy it. I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, uh-huh. I can justify mm-hmm. it. A yeah. lot of people look alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm oh yeah. How you guys are going to retcon? <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. It's oh sorry. We love retcon. So, yes, but uh, the thing about retcon theater is that we always try to make a reason to connect it. 
since we are uh, bringing a little levity to the conversation, I have to ask you about the Bed Bath & Beyond coupons. Because uh, yeah. that's sort of my obsession, mm -hmm. is using mm -hmm. these Bed Bath & Beyond yeah. coupons. And through television, I've learned through this, through Broad City, that mm -hmm. it's not just me. No, no. <laughs> that was, that I, was I a very... I qualify that as the most unexpected laugh from yes. the studio audience. Really? Who, if you may, if you're yes. in the audience, you may have seen all of us look at each other like what it was what? recognition was yeah yeah we were laughing because we yes. went oh uh -huh. murphy is yeah. us well and also it fits yep. in with her whole like she's cheap and yeah. and, and this and that yeah. but mm -hmm. it is it is a thing that i i do i remember distinctly and that was all a diane pitch diane totally pitched it uh but i distinctly remember becoming aware of the fact that you can use them forever and being like oh what i've been throwing them away and then i even like went there's a website you can go to where it's like how to get the most out of your Bed Bath & Beyond <gasps> purchase. No. Combine this 20% coupon with this lowest item, blah, blah, blah. And it tells you exactly like how to put them together. Because I, So all mm -hmm. of my years of figuring it out on my own were wasted. I could have just gone to this website. Yes, yes. Or you could have started the website. See, my thing is, is that there's, I don't know if there are any in LA, but there's Harmon's here, which is just the drugstore okay. part of Bed uh -huh. Bath and Beyond. Uh -huh. You can use the Bed Bath yep. and Beyond coupons there. Oh, so I get all of my skincare. Okay, it's okay, really yeah, great. yeah. That I would say that that is the the I've seen it quite a lot of tweets of people saying, <laughs> "Oh my God, this is my sister," but talking about her Bed Bath and Beyond tickets, or "Oh my God, this is my mom," or like I just had a conversation at work about how you can use those coupons forever. It has been a nice little... Mm. There's a running joke about how cheap Murphy is uh -huh. that is getting more yeah. and more absurd. It's from, it's it's from the original <laughs> series. I don't know if you guys... Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Good. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I think this year even uh, we've kicked it into a gear that's like <laughs> kind of bordering on surreal. You'll she's going to turn to Jack Benny. I, I yeah. think sometimes she's trolling people, though, too, yeah, with her cheapness. I think, so I think she's trolling. So how is the collaborative process in the room uh, for all of you? I'm always curious about that. Mm -hmm. um, well, the way this, this show runs is um, we all, as a room, um, come up with premises for episodes. Mm -hmm. We will all, as a room, um, beat out a kind of skeleton outline. Mm -hmm. Then whatever writer is assigned to that will go off and do a draft of a fully expanded outline, bring it back, get notes. Um, then, um, yeah, whoever's assigned to the episode will do a first draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, get notes from everyone, do a second draft, and then Diane will do a pass on it, and then it is uh, it is tabled, which means mm -hmm. um, we all sit around the table and um, pitch jokes. On page by page, go page so by page, and it's uh, it's very collaborative, which is yeah. always like I, f I feel always a little uncomfortable when people say it's it's your episode, or <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> because it's like mm -hmm. it is uh, you know every episode in the show is is our. A collective. I don't feel uncomfortable with it. I take credit for every episode this season. I wrote them all, all by myself. Yes. Well, something that we we really sort of discovered before the revival started, and I'm sure as you're saying is the same in the room, is Corby, who I don't know if you guys have probably not met yet, but know probably of her, has been speaking to us before even we met anyone else um, about the process. She is so protective mm -hmm. of who wrote what line mm -hmm. getting out there because it is your episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I sort of okay. love that mm -hmm. is that mm -hmm. it, there's no problem saying that it's a collect collaborative process mm -hmm. but in the end this is your piece yes you own it and it's uh -huh. yours and i think there's something sort of lovely about that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's definitely you know 
I think we're we're uncomfortable with it, but when it's someone else ep- someone else's episode, we're not uncomfortable telling people like, oh, that's totally you know Laura's script yeah. or Tom's script. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think each individual writer is probably more uncomfortable about it with their own episode <laughs> and taking credit for stuff for their own episode than they are when giving credit. Comes up with and highlights a particular line. Uh-huh. I, I can never just say I can never own it. I have to say, oh, that was um, yeah, that was Steve Peterman. Yeah, <laughs> I legitimately don't usually remember, and plus mm-hmm. then it, it's also there's a lot of times where someone will pitch a line it gets a huge laugh and then someone will tweak that line Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. then it's like well the original pitch was this person's line but it was tweaked to this and Mm -hmm. then you know what i mean it's frankenstein's monster of jokes Mm -hmm. exactly exactly which when you have a a writer's room as talented as this is is great because as a group we're all going to probably come up with a lot of stuff that's that's much stronger because we're working on it together versus just you know one person writing one script Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was always why, as a kid, when I would read about the process on Murphy Brown, why it was so fascinating to mm-hmm. me. Oh, yeah. It, it, because it is a collaborative effort, and being in the room and being with, you know, as an actor, right, they say when you act up against someone who's better than you, you it get better. You. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine that it must be the same thing with writing. Yeah. Absolutely. Having not ever mm-hmm. been in a room myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it's very interesting to see even the inception of certain things of, oh, well, we can beat this joke. What if it's something in this area? What if it's about how, you know, like, oh, everyone argues at Thanksgiving and then someone else goes, ooh, ooh yeah, yeah, or like this. Like, what if it's specific, more specifically this? And then someone will pitch a joke, it'll get a laugh, and then someone will tweak it. So by the end, it's really e- almost everyone has weighed in mm-hmm. on a-, a lot of these sort of little jokes. And that's not to say that nothing survives from the writer's draft. It still is you know, the, the, the writer's draft, they still put in the hard work of sitting down there and structuring it and, and figuring it out and it, doing jokes that maybe that's not the exact joke that will end up in there, but it is the area uh, of it. But, but yeah, it is, it is one of the most collaborative rooms I've been in, I think. I mean, there are established yeah. writers now that people know from their own work who talk about back in the 80s and 90s that their goal was just, just to be a freelancer in the Murphy mm-hmm. Brown room because it is renowned as this incredibly supportive, unique mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's been great. And the rumors are true. Yeah. <laughs> and coming, coming in as like the new kids and everyone has been super, super awesome. They've, they've all been very complimentary. They've also given us career advice and this and that, and just advice on how to sort of handle everything going on. So there's no, there's not really any egos in that room, which Mm -hmm. is good. No one's trying to like tank anyone else's script to make their own script look better. Uh, Yeah. Which is, which is, you know, the way it should be ideally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Lauren, should we, uh, should we quiz them? That's what I think I was going to do. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to bring it up. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Uh So, so you don't have to do this if you don't want to. But we have discovered Mm. there is a test on the CBS website to what Murphy Brown character are you? I saw this because I saw that you got Frank. And in my mind, I was like, I need to at some point take this. And I have it. So I'm excited. We would like you to take it. I would love to take it. Can we do that? Okay. Yes. We were very excited to discover that I got Murphy and Lauren got Frank. Oh. So we are perfect to host this show. We're the perfect pair. And I, I took it twice. Yeah, which I told Joe, I was like, I kept getting Frank. Mm. No, that's interesting because we, uh, you know, as platonic friends ourselves, mm-hmm. we appreciated that that one relationship. Of the great representations of platonic yeah. friendship yeah. on TV. So hmm. yeah, we talk about that a lot. Yeah, it was yeah very very, very few to platonic us. relationships. Mm-hmm. One of our one of our web series uh, ep- like pilot episodes that we wrote that one time is just called Platonic, and we had a long discussion about 
how can we make this clear that this will never happen yes. in this show? That it will that never it's be not, consummated. Yeah, so it will never be a Sam and Diane thing. Yep. Opening never... on their deathbeds. Yeah. They <laughs> tell each other, well, we never slept with each other, and then they die. And, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. Fast forward, and then it, so uh, yeah. any possibility of them consummating it. Yeah, we didn't want any network <laughs> notes that were like, but yeah. what if they did? Mm-hmm. And so we were like, we need to crush it immediately so yes. no one hopes for this. It's oh, so important that. as far as just... Along with the idea of seeing people who look like you on in your uh-huh, entertainment, uh-huh. seeing platonic relationships, realizing yeah, that yeah. that's possible and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like yes, and as someone who grew up with many, many platonic guy friends and still has many so platonic many. guy friends, uh, uh, it is it is there are still those people that are like, oh wait, you're the you're a groomsman in your friend's wedding. What does mm-hmm. that mean? Oh, and then yeah. I'm like, it's not that weird. I, like you know. All right, so who wants to go first? Uh, scanner. All right, let's okay. do it. Oh, do I won't look at You're Frank! <laughs> yeah! Frank Fontana. I, and that's who I would have assigned myself to even before the quiz. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Really? Tell us why. Um, words. Um, I think part of it is because, I guess, you know, yeah, I identify with that relationship, Murphy and Frank, mm-hmm, the platonic mm-hmm. best friends. Uh, you know, that's, to me, that's like Gina and I. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, but as far as particular Frank qualities, I don't know if I, I guess it's that combination of neurosis. Like sometimes he is a kind of typical neurotic and other times he's not. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. I, I have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see this. <laughs> I can see and this. I have to say, I, I really do like the way you guys are writing Frank. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. uh, I think sometimes in the later seasons he got a little too neurotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's something Agreed. about going back when we started watching the first season. I was like, oh, I almost forgot how calm he was mm-hmm. like yeah. half the time, and how what a great balance it was. Mm-hmm. And right. I think you guys are really achieving that really well. Cool. Yeah, Frank has a certain like chill, cool quality mm-hmm. to him that yes. we forget about. Yeah, yes. that's true. Mm-hmm. All right, now I'm, yeah, now, now it's Gina's turn. Good. Yes. Up, oh, it's loading. It's loading. who you got <laughs> i got murphy brown <laughs> yes! not not surprising to be honest yeah. you guys work yep. really well together <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. This is, this it's pretty, indicative pr- yeah, probably pretty accurate very good <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the quiz will save the world yeah mm-hmm. yes all right no, yeah not super surprising that's who if i had to pick i would probably say but I think you do. You do have some quirky qualities too. Yeah, unironically excited about things. Qualities too. Yeah. Well, we your your podcast counterparts see you and appreciate you. <sighs> yes, thank you. As a Frank yeah. and a Murphy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So now, have you guys had any reordering of episodes? Yes. Yeah. Uh, 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 me too. Was supposed to air fourth, but mm-hmm. they bumped it up to third. Mm-hmm. So so mm-hmm. far, that's the one. Example and, of that. Uh, yeah. From what I read, that was based on the fact that the Kavanaugh hearings felt that it should be sooner. Yeah, I think I think mm-hmm. everything that was going on, they sort of felt, oh, this is this is very very topical, very you know, very indicative of what's going on right now. So we, as we understand it, that was one of the reasons that they bumped it up. Mm-hmm. I think it was really smart and based on the collective catharsis you all mm-hmm. saw on mm-hmm. the social media when that was airing. That was a smart move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we were very happy mm-hmm. that, it, that it got bumped up. <laughs> yeah, which I think is also going back, also then pretty amazing that ended up being on the date of your post. Yeah, it wasn't supposed oh, to be man. at all. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. The universe provides. Mm-hmm. 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 How are you enjoying New York? Oh yeah. After a period mm. of adjustment, I'm greatly enjoying New York. Gina, 
I I mean, I don't want to alienate any any podcast listeners. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I have never been a New York fan and this is not changed my opinion. Uh I I I, since I'm from New Jersey, we used to come into New York a lot. Uh, I, I grew up playing chess. My brother's a professional chess player, and so my dad would bring us into the city to play in chess tournaments. And it 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 is a it is a barrage on my senses. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's very loud. It's very stinky. I have a very sensitive sense of smell. Uh, and I am very short and small and I get claustrophobic around tall buildings and too many people and people are constantly jostling me. Uh, so it's not totally my, so the MTA is great. Yeah. I, Mm. I, I feel like I'm in a coffin like every time I take the subway. So it's not really my speed. Uh, I will say like the, I, I did miss the food and now that it's getting colder, like fall is fall on the East coast is the best holiday ever. My favorite holiday ever. Uh, so I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to that, but also very much looking forward to getting back to L.A. and being being able to slow walk without feeling shamed <laughs> by the rest of the people. <laughs> That's yeah. funny because uh, on your social media, it seems like you're always taking advantage of sort of being here. I am. I'm a doer. I'm a very like That's I impressive love if doing you hate stuff. It. Like I'm more. I'm more impressed of you going out and doing things every weekend, but also the fact that you don't like it. Well, I mean, I love like doing stuff, and I love that there is always stuff to do. Yeah. It's more yeah. sort of like the the background, like everyone yeah. constantly honking and me and like I it it feels like a like a raw nerve or something because I'm walking and it's like ah, people are are they honking at me? What's going on? And like oh more more stinky trash smell and. And uh, claustrophobia. So so it's just the sensory part that gets me. But the fact that there are so many things to do, I do love doing stuff. I run an entire, like, Facebook page in L.A. just called L.A. Fun, where I just post about, like, here's, ten, like, random things that are going on in L.A. today. <laughs> uh, uh, so I love being able to do stuff and being able to get places. Uh, I wish I was taking fewer elbows to the mm. face and body when yes. I walk around. I always get hit in the <laughs> wrist. I mean, I'm not, that's I'm, a weird place. Yeah. I don't know. People just like flinging their like arms when they yeah. walk and then yeah, it's, yeah. I have like bony wrists. It's just like, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm also very like I am very energetic and friendly. Like I was with a friend last night in, in, near his place in Harlem and we went to like grab, you know, like a soda or something from like the convenience store. And I was like, hi. Like to, to like three people that were like in there and they're like, oh, how's it going? And I was like, good. How's your night going? <laughs> so I'm very I think it's like not a very New York thing. Like I smile at everyone on the street and <laughs> and, you know, anyone who's like, hi there. I'm like, hello, what's going on? You know, like I'll still like have a conversation. So so you feel you were born in the wrong place. I mean, I do love Jersey, though. Like, like, I, I'm from, like, a rural suburban part of New Jersey where there's, like, plenty of woods and plenty mm-hmm. of, like, land and things like that. So, it to me, New York and New Jersey are very different. Mm-hmm. That's uh, true. Uh, but, yeah, it is, it is a, it, my senses have been overwhelmed since I got here, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a recovering New York transplant, being mm-hmm. out in Chicago, uh, I feel like I, I took 10 years to adapt to New York. And now uh-huh, that I'm uh-huh. out here, I didn't realize how much I had adapted because I enjoy the CTA so much <laughs> after years of the MTA. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And and being around, I didn't, you know, I grew up Midwestern and smiling and, a- and genuinely asking people, how are you mm-hmm, when I said mm-hmm. it? And being back here after 10 years of getting 
of adjusting to the New York lifestyle, I was so distrustful of how nice people were uh. at first. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize it. I, 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 the, the risk thing stands out to me in New York because of the living there. I never realized how aware I was of people's cigarette butts when they were walking. Yes. Oh, yeah. And how you have to like dodge around a full person if they are holding a cigarette because you are in danger. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Sander? A lot of smokers out here, How's too. How's New York for you? <laughs> I, I kind of like the sensory overload. I think if I had to choose uh, between vibes, I'm more of a, a West Coast person. But um, it is, uh, yeah, it's. It, I, I like shaking it up a little for a few months mm-hmm. at a time. Mm-hmm. Do you want to uh, plug your slice a day? Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's very typical. I have to remind be reminded to plug. Um, <laughs> no, I started an Instagram account, account that is mainly for myself to keep track of all the different pizza places I'm frequenting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Slice a Week. Um, oh, excuse me. I okay. had the wrong I'll title. Read, <laughs> probably directed someone towards a different competitor, but it's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, where I, I sample a different slice of New York pizza every week and photograph it. Um, the pizza is better here. You have yes, to admit it's the that. water. Yeah, yeah, this is an ongoing debate in California. I don't know how anyone debates it because it's hands down better. But I, I, Skander, when he came out here, was like, "Yep, it's it's definitely better." And mm-hmm. and we, but we have several friends, especially people who grew up in LA, who are like, "There's no difference. You're crazy." <laughs> and they, that is an insane uh-huh. take. Mm-hmm. You guys moving to Chicago was a very dramatic ordeal. Mm-hmm. Deep dish pizza. Mm-hmm. I can't. And I can't handle deep dish. No, it's too much oh, for me. Too, too like much. It. I mean, I'm I like it. Something. I like it for like two bites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm going to admit something that's going to get me in trouble, mm-hmm. which is. Oh, no. Well, first of all, I, I have really messed up taste in pizza because it was either I grew up in the prairie in Minnesota <laughs> with like, like Pizza Hut and Domino's and uh-huh, all that kind of stuff, uh-huh. which is not. I mean, it's just like breadsticks with stuff on them. <laughs> um, and then I lived in Italy in college, so then I liked oh. you know. Really wow. artisanal mm-hmm. Tuscan flatbread uh-huh, uh-huh. style. And then I moved to New York and I realized I didn't really care about pizza that much. Oh, I just, I, I was either one or the other <laughs> on the spectrum and I didn't really think about it. Mm-hmm. I do love a dollar slice very much. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I do miss that a lot out here, but mm-hmm. I have not sampled Chicago pizza yet. Oh. And I've been here for over two months. Oh, um, no. But mostly because I'm so intimidated by the aggressive commentary about where to go in Chicago. Yeah, mm. yeah. It is overwhelming, and I'm very scared to, like, pop the pizza cherry out here at the no, wrong place. No, just duck into a place. Just duck yeah, into I'm, a place yeah. one day Don't when you're walking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's probably the way it's, to go. It's yeah. hard. I feel like I need the I need the Chicago equivalent of your pizza slice of wheat. <laughs> yeah. You guys can I compare that. and find the perfect place. You can... Do you feel that you mm-hmm. found the perfect slice yet? I mean, you still have um, November. Yeah. The thing is, this Instagram account is not, um, it's not a review site. It's merely a documenting site. So I don't, I don't <laughs> like a comment, Google on drive? The, yes, <laughs> comment on the quality of the pizza. I just, they're, it, they're all, they're all good. I have not, I have yet to um, have a disappointing slice here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I unfortunately um, have been gluten free. Oh. For the last oh, two years, yeah. and I miss pizza the most. Oh, no, but have you mm. found a good gluten free pizza? I did, and then they closed. No, and they keep saying they're going to reopen, okay. but I've called the number and no one answers. And I've oh, walked past, no. and there's a for sale sign. Oh, no, so I don't think they're renovating. Oh, oh God. Um, so I, I'm, on, I'm on the look for it, but it's still never the same. Mm. No, I just, I, I can smell it, and you know, but. <laughs> 
this is making me very nostalgic from my pizza eating days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I say, you know, at, at the moment, so hopefully in the future, I will be able to have gluten again. But at the oh, moment, I, I hope that for you too. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It is my dream. Mm-hmm. And on that <laughs> note. <laughs> on that note. Well, thank you so much for for yeah. coming on it's yeah, been great we've been yeah. looking forward to this for a while yeah, yeah. we're we're lucky we we feel lucky that we got invited on and made the cut we feel like real murphy brown writers <laughs> yes <laughs> well thank you thank you thank you thank you mm-hmm. we hope you really enjoyed our our sit down with gina and skander we really did we had a great time and it's good to know that we're you know we we have another frank and murphy team in the quizzing world Seriously, that's what makes them good writing partners. They yep. balance each other, mm-hmm. as as do we. And if you want to talk, uh, if you want more uh, connection with us about the revival, please check out our social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Murphy Brown Pod. We are also on the internet at our website at murphybrownpod.com. You can email us at uh, murphybrownpod at gmail.com. You might see a theme running here. You can join our Patreon. Yes. If you want to help the, the podcast continue and be stronger and greater, much like Wonder Woman. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. You can donate to our Patreon at our website, or you can just, you know, donate one lump sum. The cool thing about the Patreon is you're going to get extra content. Like this episode will have extra content that you didn't hear. You can listen specifically on the Patreon. You also, we have some really great swag, which are coming out. We have some themed stickers, quotes, fun stuff, inside jokes, and that's all for helping us. We really appreciate you supporting us. Again, anything is appreciated, and um, as well as stopping by, subscribing, and reviewing on iTunes so more people can, can find us. And we'll see you again soon for another edition of FYI. The Murphy Brown Podcast. Mm-hmm.